In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. We can initiate our prayer using those celebrated words of the apostles. Lord Jesus, teach us to pray. And specifically, which is the topic of our conversation with him, teach me how to pray through my work. And as we contemplate Jesus' true presence, we could intuit what sanctification work is all about. Because Jesus makes himself truly present via human work, as we will pray during the offertory. Our Lord only can be present as a consequence of human work. In this specific instance, the making of bread, the production of wine, and the prayers of the offertory mention the word work, not only mention, it's a prominent word. And so our Lord finds a home amid human work, a necessary condition for this true presence is that human work of producing bread and wine. The Catechism invites us to participate in our Lord's Prayer. Lord, tell me, how do I participate in your prayer? You being perfect God and perfect man, your whole life, was a continuous act of adoration. How do I approach that? Yes, the standard answer is I've got to sanctify my work. I have to offer my work. It's not that simple. Well, maybe it is that simple, but it's not that easy. In fact, this is a theme that we need to come back to throughout the duration of our life because it's more than simply offering my work. It's a question of how much love is behind that work. As we ask you, Lord, teach me to pray, teach us to pray, teach us to pray through your work, we need to do some meditational digging. But you went 30 years out of your 33 years of life here on earth through and you reserved only the past three the, the last three years for an extraordinary witness of miracles of preaching and culminating in his death and resurrection but 30 of those years you spent working 
What are you telling us, Lord? Well, why did I work for 30 years? Because this is the medium of prayer I expect of you. This was the medium of prayer of the two greatest saints, my mother and my, my father, St. Joseph. Our Lord could have done many things for you medieval philosophers out there. He could have been sent to that area of Palestine where the Essenes devoted their time to prayer and asceticism. Or he could have habitually sojourned in the desert intermittently, come back for a good meal and get his laundry done and then go back. He could have done that. And that would have been, that's a valid vocation. We see that Mr. and Mrs. Aquinas sent Thomas to Monte Cassino at age five. Our Lord, after all, being the son of God made man, I mean, it's God's show. He could have been, you know, if, if Thomas Aquinas and St. Boniface and all the rest of them uh, would be sent to monasteries at age five or six, he could have had an, that special life of contemplation and asceticism, withdrawing from the world. But no, the way and the truth and the life worked as a carpenter. For us, there's a lot of light here and kind of answers the question, why don't we have more information about Jesus' hidden life? Our father, I think in one of his homilies, says in, in Friends of God that the silence about his hidden life also is inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Why that silence? I think we get the answer here. It would have been nice, you know, a few anecdotes when he was 19 years old and, you know, some adventure he had with his friends or preempting his public life and curing some homeless man of his leprosy or, or creating a puppy. He could have done it. He's God. He had that prerogative. <laughs> what would you like for your birthday? An owl. There it is. What would you like? Sirloin steak. There it is. It's already grilled. That didn't happen. On the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get all this? What is the wisdom given to him? What mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? That's Mark. This is Matthew. Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? You're just the son of Mary. You're just the son of Joseph. 
You're the son of the carpenter. That's all you are. We're kind of surprised that you're giving this, sharing these insights read from the book of Isaiah and then applying it to yourself. They're astonished that he spoke this way, basically implying that ordinariness characterized his life until that moment. They could have said, well, you're always known to hang out at the synagogue, but this is over the top. They're surprised. So, Lord, what are you telling me, academically we know, that work needs to be a real medium for acts of adoration, acts of thanksgiving, acts of contrition, acts of petition. Work is a medium of prayer. And I think we could honestly say, Lord, there's a way, long way to go because when the goal is that heart of Jesus and that prayer of Jesus, there's a long way to go. It's not just offering work. Our Father gave us a bit of a light, St. Jose Maria, in the movie we saw a couple of days ago, unless my memory fails me, uh, he was, I don't know, referring to someone who was thinking about God all day. And St. Jose Maria says that was insufficient because uh, he, you need to, to have some time exclusively devoted to prayer. It's kind of interesting. He was talking about a heater, you know, which is generated by you know, hot water. And he, he said, well, you know, you, uh, if my Spanish didn't fail me, you turn on the, the heat, the radiator. You could turn it on all you want, but if that, the boiler is not heating up the water, you're eventually going to find that radiator useless. No heat's going to come off it, come out of it. It's not going to heat up the room because it depends on that boiler room. And yes, we need to look at the quality and, you know, the diligence and all that. But we see that our Lord's new professional work was his public life. That would be, he'd be, he's going public, you know, with miracles and preaching. And there's a certain baseline in his public life. What is it? Before opening day of his public life, he is in the desert, 40 days and 40 nights. He's intensely praying. There is a foundation there. Intermittently, he's going on the mountain and withdrawing himself in prayer. Apply this to myself, but uh, with all these classes and talks, I, perhaps some are deeply in pious comas um, or in spiritual nirvana. To sanctify my work, 
I need to be a soul of prayer. And the more I pray, the more I deal with our Lord, when I offer, there's more oomph behind that sentiment, I offer this up. A little bit, maybe in this analogy, if an acquaintance gives an acquaintance a gift, it's an edifying gesture. It is a deed of love. But if a friend gives a friend a gift, maybe the gift is the same, but there's more behind that gift because there's more love. If a mother or, or a father gives that same gift to a son or daughter, there's more love behind that gift, even though maybe the gift is, is the same gift. So that we need to take care of that aspect of sanctification of work because, yeah, what we do is standard. There's a standard routine. But there's no standard love. Love is fluid. Love is our most excellent of all gifts that overshadows any other gift we have that's revealed. But that love has to grow. And what are you telling me, Lord? Well, I want, I want the work I'm doing to sanctify, my, sanctify me. I want it to be sanctified. I want it to sanctify others. Love me more. Speak to me more. Forge, St. Jose Maria says, each and every creature, each and every event of this life without exception must be steps which take you to God, which move you to know him and love him, to give him thanks, to strive to make everyone else know and love him. In a sense, we will take the liberty to hear you tell us, Lord, work on your aspirations. I know we're talking about work or praying about work. Work on your mental prayer. How's your mental prayer going? Lord, you asked me that question. Well, I, you need to put more love into that. That's the boiler room. So that the, what, the radiator can, can transmit heat. Or we could imagine Saint Jose Maria, our father, tapping on our shoulder like he would do in in Villatevere, and surprise our our brothers and sisters. And how many times did you tell Jesus you love him? How many acts of love have you made? Or even at the most seemingly un inopportune time, while they're waiting for a movie to be projected. You know, nudging one of our brothers, how many aspirations have you said? You wouldn't give him a chance to answer. It's understandable. Well, not too many. I'm excited about the movie. So that's what needs to be behind that. And what's the goal? Our Lord says, well, this 
the greatest of all commandments. It's greater than all the sacrifices and holocausts. Love me with your whole heart, whole soul, whole strength. So who is the one, you know, assuming that they're trying their best and they're trying to do quality work, well, who's the one who's effectively, we've got to be careful with that word, effectively, uh, God makes us effective. Who effectively sanctifies more? Well, the, the one who prays more. The one who loves more. Because sanctified work is something we give to God. What isn't, what lacks, what could detract giving glory to God is that I, let's say, I, humanly speaking, because in this society, people do good work. I do good work, but uh, I'm postponing norms. Uh, big gaps of time go by without presence of God. There's a lackluster struggle to deal with our Lord in the mental prayer. Mass being the center is, is becoming a cliche. And with the grace of God, all that could change. Well, that, there's less love in that work. I was in, um, some people say it's a boondoggle, but it was a, it was a good program. I was in Rome with a group of American seminarians. And... Um, we're living at a residence at the Collegio Urbano. All sorts of buildings, propaganda fide. And then there's a residence there for people who want to make retreats. It's run by a wonderful order of nuns. The accommodations were, were good. Air conditioner there was more of a symbol than anything else. Uh, in the chapel, you could have a little bit of it. I guess that was sort of a ploy to get the guys to pray more. Uh, pretty good food. We had a chapel. And we had a priest needed. He had a, there weren't that. There were a few amices, so you had to use your amice for almost two weeks. Well, if you got squeamish, well, then you don't use one. Um, I was the smallest guy there, well, the smallest priest. So they let me use the cincture. Otherwise, I would have tripped over the alb. We had con-celebrated mass, etc. So one of the events was, well, that involved work. One was to go to Villa Tevere and spend time praying at the mortal remains of our father, Don Alvaro, Don Javier. And it was a feast of the Sacred Heart, and then we'd have a, a big mass in the or at uh, the Church of the Prelature. And I was struck by the beauty and the quality of the oratory, of the vestments, of the sacred vessels, the cleanliness. In fact, it, it, was, it seemed dramatic to me. And again, just for the record, uh, the, the accommodations was, were, were fine. But you get, it would, everything shouted, whoever did this, our sisters, this is an act of love. This is a prayer. And it's just overwhelming. You know, I'm not a 
a sentimental guy. <laughs> I was struck. I didn't shed too many tears, but I, it was quite impressive. And my brother priests were just blown away. Who, who does this to you? We put things away, now it'll be taken care of. What do you mean? I'll tell you afterwards. Just, hold, just hang in there. I'll explain later. And the washroom. One of those washrooms there at the, near the entrance. Well, wow. Washrooms don't get better than this. There must have been... There's prayer here. And I would almost say that it sounds almost a little silly. Even you know, our sisters are gone. They they leave these things uh, well kept and clean and good taste, all that. But there's prayer right there. They, they've left prayer. The prayer is still ongoing. There's an ongoing prayer there. And what what sticks? What strikes you? This this, this love. And we. There's so many ways to look at sanctification of work. But we need to be, we have, need to avoid as much as we can the Martha syndrome. The, don't panic, it's not another meditation. Martha is doing, Martha is an American. She has a lot on her plate. It's a crazy day, it's a crazy week. It's wild, all these words people use about how busy they are. I'm super busy. I'm incredibly busy. I'm so, with that long so. I'm just trying to use, learn that new lingo here. So busy. I can't believe how busy I am. You know, we hear all that. It's millennial language, but I got it. It's in everybody's language. And that's it. And Martha felt that way. And after all, I mean, I could, let's give her some slack. You know, it's not every day, every day that God comes to your house for dinner, you know, or God is sitting in your living room. So, you know, being a responsible woman, she's, she really wants to make it a fantastic evening, you know, pull out all stops. And maybe our Lord would say, my gosh, you really worked hard. And then she would give that standard. And no, it's nothing. <laughs> I, you know, it's nothing. Really, please, perish that thought. Don't perish it totally, but <laughs> perish most of it. Mary's more of a contemplative, and she says, well, you know, it's time to stop. And that doesn't make sense to Martha. You know, we could sympathize with her a little bit. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Well, God's here. You know, there's only so much you could perfect a matzo ball. So I'm, I'm going to hang out with him. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Let her tell her. Probably an interesting scene. But anyway, we, we're going to have to end now. Tell her not then to help me. And, and the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. This is the only time he, he repeats a name twice. 
You are anxious and troubled about many things. One thing is needful. Mary has chosen the good portion. So she, it's kind of interesting because our Lord is saying, well, listen, if, if you're really going to give me glory in your work, you got to take care of your contempt. These, this, this rendezvous, this recharging that we call the norms. We call the prayer. Mary, we go to you for your maternal prayer of intercession because your life was ordinary too. But through that medium of work, of ordinary life, you are continuously in the presence of God. Mary, give us, win for us some lights so that we could make a step, a positive step in the direction of loving your son more in the work that I am doing. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede.